Welcome back, everybody, to the Evolve You podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McElderry, an executive health coach, consultant, doctor of pharmacy, and entrepreneur. And within this podcast, we will be bringing you exciting episodes discussing health, business, and personal development to evolve you into the best version of yourself. So with that being said, let's hop into this episode. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Evolve You podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McElderry, and we always welcome each and every guest. If you are returning, thank you so much for listening with us. On this podcast, we discuss health, business, and personal development to evolve you into the best version of yourself, with myself bringing you uh, personal experiences and exciting guests discussing their expertise in their area of work. So today, first of all, I want to I love, I love for everyone to go ahead and rate and review. That is all we ask on this podcast. We are not running any sponsorships or any type of ads currently. So the way we get this out to each and every person around the world is for you to simply share it with somebody that you feel could benefit, rate and review, and we'd really appreciate that. So today we have another amazing guest on. As you guys know, I always bring on guests that I am so intrigued by their story. Um, because as you've been listening to many of our guests on this podcast, their story um, has been very unique and then it has led them and evolved them into the work that they're doing now. So with that being said, I'm going to welcome on Dr. Jessica Louie. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me on the podcast. You're very welcome. Thank you for, for joining us. So I'm going to quickly introduce Jessica and her amazing work that she's doing and let her take the floor and answer some questions that we have for her and just kind of have a discussion as we normally do. So Dr. Jessica Lewis, she is a burnout coach, declutter coach, and certified Kanmari consultant and host of her upcoming Burnout Doctor podcast. If you're listening to this currently, it's either out or it's coming out very, very soon. So currently she helps women and healthcare professionals clear the clutter out of their lives as she works side by side with her clients to build lives they love through joyful and intentional living. Jessica also holds a doctorate of pharmacy degree from the University of Southern California, go Trojans for anyone that's listening, um, is a, and is a certified uh, critical care pharmacist in advanced care uh, practice pharmacist in Los Angeles, California, and currently teaches as an assistant professor at West Coast University School of Pharmacy. And now many people ask this, how does she use this degree and her training and what she does now? And through that, she coaches her clients through emotional and difficult decisions to clear the clutter out of their lives. Okay. Welcome, Dr. Jessica. Thank you. Thank you for such a great introduction. I definitely um, you know, hit on all the points. I am really focused on declutter and burnout coaching, and I'm really excited about the upcoming podcast launched in July. Yeah, yeah. So guys, Jessica, she just intrigued me, like I said, about first, she's also a pharmacist. And um, I am just so interested in the work that she's doing, because a lot of us that are listening are looking for answers. And many of the times we are, we have too much stuff going on in our life, either that be physical, mental, emotional, whatever that is. And so Jessica, can you tell us, you know, a little bit about your background really quick? Um, you know, where you're from and, you know, how you got into pharmacy and then we can go into what you're doing now. Sure. So I grew up in the Midwest, Wisconsin specifically. So I'm a big Green Bay Packers fan. Oh man. And I came out to California for college 
And I actually had chosen that I would be in the pharmacy profession back in high school, around 10th, 11th grade. We had shadowing programs and we shadowed in healthcare professions during that time. I shadowed pharmacists and I was really interested in the profession. And then I applied into programs where at USC specifically, I was in the TAP program. So I you know, applied in the pharmacy school from high school and I was accepted. So I completed my bachelor degree at USC first and then my PharmD at USC. And that was a great experience. You know, it was great to know early on that I wanted to do that. And I pulled my twin sister along with me out to USC and she joined me at the medical school as well. And then, you know, after that, I, you know, that was seven years of training because I completed my bachelor degree in three years in PharmD and four. And then I went on for a two year residency at University of Utah. And that's where I completed my critical care specialty as well. And then I returned back to Los Angeles where I'm an assistant professor at a new school of pharmacy, West Coast University. And, you know, during that whole time, um, I experienced some burnout during the profession and that's really what led me to some of my businesses. Amazing, amazing. So you take us back to this, this period of um, education. This was a long duration. Many people that are listening right now may have gone through extensive training um, as a high-performing professional or as an entrepreneur now. And so can you guide us along through that? How, you know, what things that you were burnt out on, like how did you deal with that at that time that you realized maybe that you were, you know, just had too much going on? Definitely. So I had spent nine years in that training and I started experiencing burnout during my last year of residency and my first year as an assistant professor. And during the time, I actually didn't know I was experiencing burnout. I didn't know there was a natural term for it. And I, you know, was basically, you know, doing a lot of things and taking on a, on a lot of extra projects specifically research projects, you know, uh, retrospective trials and research that really led to my burnout. And I was really physically exhausted. I was spending more hours in the hospital than I was at, you know, my home. And I was taking work home as well. So it just, you know, was a combination of exhaustion and then some negative viewpoints and then, you know, loss of personal accomplishment, you know, the three classic signs. And, you know, then a life event happened in my family where my aunt died, you know, mm. suddenly from cancer. And, you know, I realized that, you know, I needed to make a change in my life because, you know, it can happen at any time, you know, life is short and we really need to live with intention. And I needed to bring some more joy into my life. Um, I basically had been, you know, just waiting throughout that nine year journey and really into my first year of academia to, start living my life, you know, I would start living my life when X, Y, or Z happened, you know, when <laughs> I finished my degree or I finished my certification and so on. So it definitely, you know, shifted my mindset um, around how I wanted to live my life. That's amazing. I can definitely relate to that. Um, you know, I didn't go through as extensive training as Jessica, but um, many of the colleagues that we surround ourselves with, we choose the route that we go. And I definitely understand the intensiveness. If you guys are not a healthcare professional, the intensive training that she went through following just the uh, graduate program, the doctorate program after that um, is straining, um, regardless of what work that you do. I mean, 
just envisioning many of us have seen hospital shows and you're on the floor and you're taking rounds and you're having multiple patients then you're going home and thinking about those patients and how you can you know uh, rectify the situation the next day so uh, whatever situation that you're going through now listening right now relate that to Jessica and her story of how maybe you are taking work home so how did you transition from realizing that you had this burnout phase um, taking starting to take work home dealing with um, a family uh, death as well and then you said you shifted your mindset what did that look like for you when you shifted like what action did you take what did you did you reach out to a mentor like what what happened so I'd say a couple different things happened uh, one thing that had the most impact on how I shifted was really finding Marie Kondo and the KonMari method. And that's the Japanese philosophy of how you really declutter and simplify your life. And if you haven't heard of her, she has a Netflix show out, Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. And basically- Love that show. <laughs> to really resonate with that philosophy, you know, realize that, you know, during my burnout stage, I didn't mention that I was coping with my stress by shopping. And you know, I think a lot of people do that, you know, either they shop or they emotionally eat or they do something else that can be kind of addictive. So I needed to break that habit and really realign, you know, physical clutter that was surrounding myself that was also leading to mental clutter in my life then. So that was one of the big shifts. And then I also decided I needed to rededicate myself to doing things I loved because I'd put different hobbies on the back burner. And one of those was photography wow. um, and technology. Um, I'm a big tech person. I like to teach myself all that stuff. So that's, you know, what led me eventually to blogging because I was able to combine photography and then, you know, teach myself some of the technology aspects of it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's so imperative. A lot of times I, I, I kind of like to think about it as going back to being a kid. I think as we, you know, I guess, evolve into adulthood. And, and we use the term adulting, many people when they graduate is like, I'm adulting now. And that's okay to say that, but it's hard to go back into that childhood state. And I think that is what you've done. And I try to do that as well is it's okay. It's okay to have those little bitty things that may not align directly into your line of work, but they uh, coincide with it and, and, and push that forward. So, <laughs> you're at the point now where you've shifted your mindset, you've realized you found Marie Kondo and the Kamari method. Can you tell us about that Kamari method really quickly, kind of what that entails and, and how you actually found her? You know, where you're watching Netflix and you just start searching. So the, the Kamari method really is focusing on, you know, items that speak to your heart and spark joy in your life. So it's really, it's a way of organizing that, you know, comes from a positive mindset where you're going through your home and removing physical clutter by picking up each item, asking yourself, does this spark joy? And deciding if it does, and if it does, you're going to keep it with confidence and really honor it. And then if it does not spark joy, you're going to really let it go with gratitude and thank it for what it taught you. So it can be different than other techniques because you're, you're keeping as much as you want. You're, you're looking at it, what would I like to keep um, versus, you know, how much can I discard, which is like some of the minimalist movements can be mm. how much you are getting rid of. 
And then, you know, it's taking a category by category approach to your physical clutter so that you really realize how much you own. So you go through five different categories, starting with what's closest to you, which is clothing. You know, we wear it on our skin, it's close to our heart. And then we move into more difficult categories as we progress to books, papers, Komono, which is miscellaneous, which is a lot of different subcategories. And then finally, sentimental items. And basically the philosophy emphasizes that if you go through the process once in your lifetime, you'll never go through it again because it will really shift how you have your habits around how you purchase or accumulate things in your life. And, you know, you'll just have a really good maintenance program afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then I originally found Marie Kondo. So her Netflix show came out in 2019. I actually found her back in 2015, 2016. And I was searching online. I was actually sitting in an airport at the time. I don't actually know. I think I might have been coming back from Salt Lake City or something. And um, I was frustrated about something. I was searching online and I found some blog posts about how you can declutter your life. And it, you know, talked about the Kunmari method in her books. Her books had come out around 2013, 2014 when she came over from Japan and, and converted them into English. So they were pretty popular back then and selling really well. So I was like, okay, I should probably read this. Mm. So I ended up doing the audiobooks of both uh, Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up and Spark Joy, which are her two main books. And, you know, then just really hopped in and started applying the method to my home. Wow. 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 I, I think that it's, it intrigues me because you came from Wisconsin and I just, I'm envisioning this. I've never been to Wisconsin, but I went to pharmacy school in St. Louis in the Midwest. They're, they live very simple, right? In, in a sense, even though, you know, Green Bay and it's a bigger city, but now you're living in LA. Did that have some impact when you moved to school and you saw this abundance of everyone looking good and you had to keep up and, you know, how did that impact um, you know, sorry to backtrack here, but I just, I just thought of that. Like, how did that impact, you know, you actually starting to experience that a little bit? That's a really great insight, Brian. I would definitely say that impacted me. So I grew up, you know, um, a great suburban town outside Milwaukee. And, you know, I grew up in a Chinese American home. So we did mm -hmm. live, you know, a pretty tidy and um, not minimalist, but, you know, a simple life growing up, especially with the Asian influence. And when I came out to Los Angeles, definitely, especially at USC in Los Angeles, you know, it was very different um, with, you know, the amount of things people owned and the value they placed on them. And I definitely got, you know, looped into that for a while of, you know, buying things, you know, for the brand name and all that stuff that made me not were the quality items that I really wanted, but they were, you know, a certain brand. So I definitely had to break that habit as well and that mindset of, you know, keeping up with cultural norms and societal norms. And I think that a lot of millennials and, you know, people in their, you know, early 30s are trying to break some of that um, mm -hmm. right now in terms of, you know, it's not about keeping up. It's about focusing on what matters most to you and not to other people. Yeah, I think that's so key because what we're saying on the podcast and maybe Jessica can agree is, you know, if you enjoy, cause there are people that really enjoy fashion, like that is their thing and that's okay. So, you know, how do you maybe coach somebody around the fact that maybe something that you feel declutters somebody's life, but it gives them joy um, and how to kind of create that balance. Right. So if someone really loves fashion, but you're creating this balance and the blogging, um, but 
you know, having that mindset around it, not overruling the rest of their life? Right. That's a great question. And I actually started my blogging first in the fashion and lifestyle Mm -hmm. areas. And I just really emphasized, you know, I was helping women really feel confident in their wardrobe choices and have, you know, less decision fatigue. So it's really going back to the clarification step and starting with your end vision in mind of, you know, how do you want to look and how do you want to feel when you're wearing this or when you're looking at your closet or a different space in your home? And really making sure that you journal that out. You're very clear on that. Maybe making a vision board with magazine cutouts or a Pinterest board. So when you envision that and you know, you know how it will look at the end, it'll be a lot easier to take those initial steps to declutter and really decide what is really sparking joy for you. Um, and not, you know, for someone else in your life. And that's one of the reasons why when you're going through the Konmari method, it's really important that you go through it alone um, or like one-on-one with people um, because even your partner or spouse can really influence your decisions Mm. um, maybe in, you know, not the most positive way. And, you know, definitely family members can influence your decisions of if they, if it's a family heirloom or, you know, passed down and sentimental. So, you know, you just want to make sure that it's your own decision and you're making it intentionally. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, for me at least, this is a huge, because I was a fashion person as well, and I still like clothes, but I think that now you just have to shift the values that you have around what, like you said, envisioning your end goal and what you really truly want out of your life. So can you guide us through um, the first step you took to investing in yourself? So your personal development, um, you know, we, we consider spending on things, on degrees, on Uh, tangible items, things that actually we can, you know, hold and visualize, but it's kind of hard to invest in something where you don't maybe necessarily know the outcome per se. So you, you started into this coaching space and at some point in time you had to, you know, invest in that personal development and you don't really know. It's kind of all on you. Like you said, your clients go on this solo journey or need to kind of, you know, come into their own. You got us through that first step you took? That's a great question. I would say, you know, some of the first steps were learning the technology behind everything of how to build out a website and how to run social media. I wasn't a big social media person before. So it was really, you know, I had to learn how to tweet and (laughs) run Instagram and all this stuff. And that was a great learning experience. And, you know, one of the first things that actually was really great to invest in was learning how to run Pinterest. And many people probably would be surprised, but early on, I learned that Pinterest is a search engine and it really can drive a lot of traffic to your website. It can really boost your SEO naturally and organically. So I invested about $400 into a Pinterest course and learned, you know, all the ins and outs of that. And that really helped because, you know, I was in some of the fashion portion and, you know, photography meant a lot in that area. And then it also helps, you know, with your opt-ins to your website and your email list. And I learned early on that you want to build an email list. Mm-hmm. And I was able to then invest in uh, learning how to do the email marketing through ConvertKit and everything. So that was like, you know, some of the little detail things. And then, you know, I learned that it's really important to form community. And, you know, being a solopreneur can be really lonely and isolating. So finding other 
influencers or entrepreneurs that you really connect with was really important. So, you know, those people have changed over the years as my business have changed. Of course. But it definitely was a great time investment to learn from each other and support one another. And then later on in my business, I learned that, you know, I can't do everything for <laughs> support. So it took about two years into my business when I hired my business coach. Yeah. And that was really, you know, the value on that was so great. You know, I didn't realize that as healthcare professionals and, you know, as like high achieving professionals, mm -hmm we undervalue coaches. You know, we had coaches and mentors throughout all, all of our training and everything. And then yeah. we get out of training and we don't have a coach anymore, which is like so interesting, you know, when we compare ourselves to, you know, athletes that have coaches. So when I hired my business coach, you know, I really was able to about four X my income and, mm -hmm. you know, really get clear in my business goals. Yeah, that's amazing. I can always tell typically who's invested in their personal development, whether it be a life coach, health coach, business coach, because you can see how they come to fruition um, in their their presence, right? So, um, you know, I got that when I invested in mine. Um, people started, what happened to you, Ryan? Like, what are you talking about? Like, your presence seems different. And sometimes it takes that. You know, so if you're on the edge right now, whatever you have to do to get that support, whether it be getting around the right people, going to a conference, stepping outside of your own, investing into a one-on-one -on -one coach or a group mentorship program, I think it's so imperative, whatever that looks like for you. I think Jessica hit it right on the head. You have these athletes that constantly have a coach and they're constantly achieving and constantly achieving and, and you think they've hit their peak and they've They've got that coach or mentor there to kind of up-level them each and every time. So I think that is that's so amazing that you, um, you came to that realization. So I kind of want to touch on, we're getting into the coaching space, we're getting into what you're doing now, but I kind of want to jump back just a little bit really quick. And someone's listening right now that they're on the edge, they're at their job, they're on the way to their job, they're coming home from their job, they're trying to figure out how to balance this, everything that they have in their head. Um, and take us through how you balance, because you're still practicing, correct? Yes, yeah, I still so, practice full time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you're practicing guys, and she's doing all of this stuff. I've checked out her website. I've checked out both of her social media platforms. And then all of the stuff she's has going on on LinkedIn as well and automating those, those things. It's amazing to see. And a lot of times people make the excuse of that they're too busy. They don't have time. They don't have the resources and finances. So how would you, you know, help somebody in that situation? So I think it's really important that, you know, if you're afraid or, you know, overwhelmed by taking that first step into entrepreneurship, that you really sit down, you write down and get clarity of, you know, where do you see your life going? What's most important to you? And that's what I call the clarification, you know, of your values and purpose. And that's one of my favorite frameworks of like clarify, then simplify, and then align everything together. So mm -hmm. I think that's really important. You know, I went through that process and I used Simon Sinek, start with why yep. process um, in that. And then also just think about, you know, it's not about saying you don't have time. I would shift that statement into saying it's not a priority in my life. Mm -hmm. And when you say that about something, if you feel that, you know, 
you don't feel good saying that about something specific in your life, then maybe you need to make it a priority in your life. Mm -hmm. And when you're starting a business, honestly, there's a lot of time up front when you start that business. And if you put a lot of time up front into investing in it and learning from it, it will really pay off, you know, two or three years down the line. And that's what happened with my business. I put a lot of time during the first year and I'm still getting all the rewards and benefits from it two, three years later. You know, all those blog posts that, you know, no one read at first are doing really well. People are finding them. I'm making profit and revenue off of them. So I think that, you know, you're not going to get those quick uh, rewards or quick money, right? Necessarily, but you know, later on, you may see some of those benefits if you're setting it up. You know how you want to live your life, and then also thinking about you know when you're talking about financial aspects. I tell people I started my websites for less than a hundred dollars, maybe less than two hundred if you want to go a little bit, you know, higher end, and I built them myself. Yep. And you can have them very very simple. You can do a landing page. Um, you don't have to pay someone thousands of dollars to build a website or anything like that or to get you up and off the ground. Um, and then eventually I went into an LLC, which also is not, you know, overcomplicated as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, just thinking about, I tell people to reverse engineer their goals. So starting with your life goals and then reverse engineer those things down into your yearly goals, your quarterly goals your weekly goals and your daily goals. And that can really help you if you need to break things down into baby steps for yourself. And then you just need a time block and, um, you know, set boundaries around your time block so that you can accomplish those baby steps. Yeah. I think um, you hit it. The biggest thing that I got out of that was uh, time blocking, but also making prioritization. So that's, that's very difficult to say a lot of times is we have, you know, I, I do value my health, but do you really, you know, if you say it and you're not doing the things that you need to be doing, um, I, I just, it amazes me when people tell me that, that they don't have time or they're too busy or whatnot. But at the same time, I think the first step is just taking a start and a leap. And I really got from you and I, I tell myself this all the time, my clients, um, as a business owner, as a solopreneur, it's, I think it's imperative that you do everything that you can in the business in the first year. So running your own social, running your own website, doing those things, because when you outsource eventually, when your business scales, you know what that is going to cost, you know how it should be run, you know what it should be looking like, and you can just have that person level it up. So if you're thinking about that, it's okay to start. It's okay to figure out Google is your friend. <laughs> um, can you tell us how you coach your clients? Like what process do you take them through um, to first clarify, simplify, and then align, of course, is your, your framework there. But what, have, what do people come to you typically with the biggest struggles, I guess? So there's two different, you know, types of clients I would say I see. So it's either the declutter clients and they're really focused on the KonMari method and more of the physical clutter, or it's my burnout clients who are really focused on, you know, they're in a state of overwhelm and, you know, maybe not satisfied with their job situation or, you know, how they're just mentally cluttered and exhausted all the time. 
and I take those burnout clients through a process. It's usually about a 12-week program where we really get down and go through burnout coaching to better align, you know, what are their goals? How do they want to set up their daily lives so that they don't feel overwhelmed? They're setting up proper boundaries. They're setting up great habits with morning routines. And, you know, we take that step-by-step so that it's not overwhelming in the beginning and they can really make a transformation in those 12 weeks. And then, you know, if they are also interested in more of the physical clutter, we can go through um, the KonMari method. So, you know, with the KonMari method, we still go through the clarify, simplify, align stage, but um, because it's really important you understand, you know, where your space will look like in the end. Um, but it's really focused on simplifying. And in those clients, I usually work one-on-one inside their homes, either locally or I travel to them. I can also do virtual coaching um, more from a, like an online course perspective. And, you know, those clients, the, those journeys can really vary. They could be one month long. They could be six months long, depending on the size of the home and the amount of physical things in the home. And then it's really about, you know, getting through the entire process so that so you really change your habits and are able to maintain and store everything. So there's, everything has a place and, you know, you know, either one works depending on your situation. I would say that, um, I'm transitioning more into burnout because of, you know, how many professionals are needing it and their institutions are not providing those resources or they want something outside of their institution that would be, you know, a little bit more unbiased and, you know, a different perspective. Yeah. I, I, I think that's amazing. I think the first step that you're, that I'm getting from that is that you're going, first of all, you're going into people's homes. So I see that on, um, on the show tidying up and you see the reaction. I'm just envisioning you in somebody's home and people trying to like, hold on, like, no, I don't want to get rid of that. And like, what method do you take them through when they're in that space of holding on to something? Because that's an emotional time for them um, where they're holding on to something that's maybe sentimental um, to them. And you're trying to coach them through, okay, well, let's not take it away just yet, but let's stay right here in this moment. Let's realize what's going on, why you're attached, how you can break free of it, and then how you can move forward. Have you experienced that before with any of your clients? Yes, definitely. <laughs> and I think you, you walk through it very well in terms of, you know, since I know what their, their vision for the end is and how they want to feel, you know, it's really about facilitating, you know, and reminding them about that and, you know, asking them the story behind it so that, you know, our memories are not in our items. You know, our yes. memories are from our experiences and, you know, from our family members and the stories yes. they told us. So it's really going back to that. And if we, you know, no longer need the physical item, you know, taking a picture of it, journaling and making the story of the photo book for it mm-hmm. and then sharing that memory. So, um, you know, it's really for facilitating that discussion. And I never make the final decision for the client. It's always mm-hmm. up to okay. them. It's always, you know, for them to decide and then I'll support them in their decision. And, you know, sometimes, you know, if it's the beginning of the journey, you know, they may not be as confident with the decision. And then later on, they feel more confident and can change their decision. You know, we can change our minds. It's, t- it's totally fine. And, um, you know, I'll help them and be their accountability partner through that process. Yeah. Yeah. I, <sighs> Ooh, this one's, 
this one's something that hits home because recently, just a quick story, um, just last year, so I played golf all my life. It was very sentimental to me because my dad got me into it. Um, I just had so many memories. It got me through college on golf scholarship. And actually my golf clubs got stolen last year. Um, and I, I just remember all the medals that I had um, on there. I remember the scorecards that I kept um, from the memories. And I would, you know, when I'd be on the golf course, I'd look back at the score or I remember when I hit that shot, like those things that happen. And, you know, the first person I called was my brother, um, my dad's listening right now. He doesn't know that. So dad, sorry. Um, but, um, yeah, it just, he walked me through it and I thought it just was my accountability partner at that point to say, okay, well, is it the clubs or is it the memories that you are seemingly fading away? The memories will always be there, you know? So I, I've experienced that and I, I truly understand what you're coaching your clients through. And I think it's amazing. So when you're, 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 working full time, you have this business. Do you ever find a situation where you are wanting to coach somebody in the hospital, whether it be a peer, a patient, you're like, Oh my gosh, like, I just want to take them under my wing right now. But I have protocol, I have things to follow, I have a procedure to follow. And how do you balance that between, you know, your vocation that's now become a business and, you know, what you're doing from your day to day? That's a great question. I would say that, you know, I have been able to better align my full-time work with some of the work I'm doing in my business. And that is really about bringing well-being initiatives into the school of pharmacy. Love it. And really making sure that the students are supported in how they're dealing with stress, how they are, you know, tie management skills and, you know, self-care skills. So I was able to get support from the school to start an elective course. And now because of some of the results from that, you know, we, we of course collected some data with some, you know, stress and well-being surveys throughout the program. And now we're able to expand the program this coming fall to have more offerings and resources for the students. And I think that, you know, it's important that, you know, I tell the students and I tell you know, people who I'm working with that I am not a mental health professional, you know, I definitely would refer you or recommend that, you know, seek other advice if you need, you know, to talk to a therapist and, you know, some of those certified people, but I'm able to walk you through, you know, some of the other things that you can change in your life. And I really focus on what you can control right here, right now, so that you can be proactive in your life and not reactive. Whereas, um, you know, some of the other things in the hospital setting and the healthcare system in general, we're waiting for some of those systems, the big picture systems to change over the next few years. But those are some things that we necessarily can't control today or control yeah. ourselves. It's more about us coming together as a community and advocating for change in our healthcare system. So um, it's definitely great to give back to the students. I would say that I definitely draw a line uh, with working with patients and I keep it very separate. I love that. I think that advocacy, like you said, is huge. Um, and from our healthcare, many of our healthcare professionals, a lot of us are transitioning into this holistic approach to, uh, you know, healing in general, but still realizing that there is a need for critical care and is a need for pharmaceutical interventions. Um, but at the same time, like how can we guide those people and be an advocate for them? Um, and, and many of us are trying. So as you see, we're on this podcast now trying to at least spread the word of what each and 
every one of us is doing from a pharmacist's perspective, um, from a physician's perspective, and um, you know, just any other healthcare practitioner that's out there that's really advocating for their patients and or clients. So I, I absolutely love what you're doing, Jessica. It's, it's amazing to me. Um, where can people find you? So the best place would be my website, drjessicalouis.com. And you can also tune into the new podcast next month. And I'll be sharing some special bonuses and giveaways for those who listen, you know, within the first couple of weeks of it in July. And otherwise, you know, people can really take action today and, you know, start clearing the clutter out of their lives. I have a free starter kit on my website you could get started with. Love it. And I always ask this question to all of my guests, how are you evolving? So what have you got going on now? How are you personally evolving? What's going on? So personally, I would say, you know, I'm still reading a lot of books. I didn't mention this earlier, but I became a big book reader um, and the physical books I really enjoy nowadays. So that's been great diving into some of the things I had at you had up a book, you know, on my list a while ago. And then, you know, just really focusing on how I can give back to the profession and the students to um, better prepare them for some of the challenges they may face as professionals and, you know, making sure that weaves into the curriculum in general. So I think that, you know, you know, we're all evolving and, you know, just being clear with some of your professional and personal goals is really important. So, you know, I think that, you know, if we can bring some joy into our lives daily and yeah. really curate a life that you really love is important. I love it. And I have one question and it's kind of jumping back just a little bit, but I was so intrigued by, you know, it's anyone that can overcome mental barriers. So how, how do you handle kind of bouncing back from this burnout phase. So, you know, we're not perfect. You haven't jumped out of all burnout. So what do you do to, I guess, flip the switch again and say, okay, I'm going to, I need to get out of this state. That's a great question, Brian. So I really advocate for resetting burnout. You know, I'm not advocating that we have a one fits all solution or a cure or anything for it. It's really about resetting and and preventing it in the future. So, you know, there's different techniques that work for different people. I really emphasize journaling and planning out thoughts. So I have morning and evening journal prompts that I'll make sure I'll go through to express gratitude throughout the day to make sure I thank someone during that day and I bring joy and excitement into something that I'm doing. So I think that it's, you know, being able to get some of that mental clutter out of my head and onto paper has been really helpful. And then I set a lot of boundaries around emails and mm. social media and phone usage and, you know, all those digital things that could really, you know, put noise into our lives. Absolutely amazing. So guys, thank you so much for listening in with us today. If this was your first episode, I hope you got some immense value from it. If you're returning please share this out. We appreciate you coming back. And all of Jessica's information will be down in the show notes. Please reach out to her if you are having some burnout or clutter in your life that you need out of your life right now so you can move forward towards those goals that you truly have for your life. So thank you so much to Dr. Jessica Louie, and we will see you guys in the next episode. 